So, welcome back to our service here. Nice to see uh, we're getting filled. Uh, last week, there was a lot of people too, so it's nice to see people coming out uh, to services. Uh, those of you who weren't here last week, um, we, we are in chapter 13, so we're going to jump off where we left off in chapter 13 last week, but for the sake of those who weren't here last week, we'll do a quick review. Um, but please don't rely on these reviews too much. We only do this so that we're all on the same page. But I would really like you to go and watch the sermon that you missed. Okay? If you missed any sermons, watch those. Okay? In, in Exodus, there's about two and a half years worth of sermons. So if you missed all of them, good luck. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to watch. But please don't just rely on these reviews. Watch the sermons yourselves. Okay? So uh, last week, I said that this part of the story that we're in right now is where we will see how God trains or disciples or prepares his people to do what? To enter the promised land. And if you know the story, you know why he has to do this, right? Because there's giants living in the promised land. So he has to do this first. He has to prepare them and train them first. And we took a look at how God trains them by uh, looking at these three R's that I mentioned last week. You remember what the three R's were? Rerouted, reminded, remained. God rerouted them, reminded them, and remained with them. So uh, last week we took a look at the first R, how God rerouted the Israelites. Uh, instead of taking the shortcut through the desert to get to Canaan, because of God's mercy, he rerouted them. He made them go the long way. Uh, and God in his wisdom did not want the Israelites to face an opponent, of the Philistines along the way. God knows that their faith, the Israelites' faith, is still fragile. If they end up facing such a big obstacle, they might go back. They might repent and go back to Egypt. Now, from the beginning of the Exodus story, God's main goal has been to continue to strengthen the faith of the Israelites in him. Uh, God did it through uh, promises. He did it through miracles. Uh, he did it to a, uh, through a display of his power through the plagues. Uh, now, God is training and growing the Israelites by rerouting, protecting and nurturing their fragile faith, and preparing them for more challenges that lay ahead. So I'm not, I'm not even talking about a challenge in Canaan. Okay? You know what happens after this, right? They get to the beach, right? They encamp by the sea. Then while they were counting their silver and their gold that they got from Egypt, kind of, you know, trying on their clothes. Oh, look what I got from my neighbor. What did they see at the far, you know, coming? Dusts coming. They hear like a rumble of horses coming. That's the first challenge that they're going to face. And God is preparing them through this, right? God knows that he's going to be, they're going to be chasing a lot, uh, I mean, facing a lot of challenges. So, so last week, what we learned from the rerouting uh, was first that God's rerouting is a mercy. Coming from God. It is not him spoiling his children and shield them from the reality of what they're about to face. It's not that. It's a mercy from God. Uh, training them slowly in order not to destroy their faith, but to build it up. That's a mercy coming from God. Uh, second thing that we learned uh, from the rerouting last week is that sometimes taking the long route is better than the short route. Sometimes it's okay take the long run. And third, 
if you force yourself, if you, you know, you're so stubborn, you, you still want to take the short route, sometimes it could be dangerous. Right? You could get yourself in a lot of trouble. So that's what we took up last week. Uh, so this week, uh, well, this morning, we're going to take up the next two hours, reminded and remain. Let's start with reminded. Exodus 13, verse 19. Let's read that again. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. You remember this part, the end of Genesis? Joseph in his dying, uh, you know, when he was dying, this is his last words, right? Don't leave me here. When God comes and visits you and takes you out of here, don't leave me. Don't leave my bones here. If you do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to multu you. <laughs> He didn't say that. Uh, but remember that part, right? When Joseph said that, that God will surely visit you, but don't leave me here. Take my bones with you. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, again, the main mission of God, even after the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis, is to restore mankind's relationship with him, and it all begins with them trusting him. That's why he's always, you know, trying to build up their faith. So what happened? Because in the fall, what happened was man listened, and I would say misplaced their trust in God instead of, uh, misplaced their trust in God and instead believed in the lies of the enemy. That's what happened during the fall, right? And after that, God, instead of starting over, again, showed great mercy and grace to mankind. Why? Because he wants their relationship, he wants to have a relationship with them, and for that to happen, there has to be faith. They have to, they have to believe him. Um, I think if you're a parent in here, you're, you know why your kids don't want to obey what you say? Don't want to do what you're trying to tell them to do? Because they believe that you're just ruining their fun. They believe that you're just limiting them, you know, ruining their, their enjoyment of life. That's why they don't believe you. Uh, that's why they don't want to do what you, you're asking them to do. So what do you do as parents? You lock them up? You just punish them? No. You show them, no, 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 what I want is good for you. What I want is for your benefit. It's always like that. Unless you're a, you know, messed up parent. But that's what you show your kids, right? You, you, you gain their trust by showing them, no, what, what I want is good for you, right? That's what God is trying to do to the Israelites right now. Because in the, at the beginning, the devil planted that seed in their in, uh, in their minds that, oh, God doesn't want the best way. He's withholding something from you. That's why he told you not to eat of that tree. But sadly, they believed him. Now God is on this mission to kind of regain that. No, no, no. I'm the one who's good. Devil, bad. Me, good. Right? He's trying to remind the Israelites of that as he, as he, as he trains them and as he builds up their faith. He's been doing that from the beginning of the Exodus story up till now. He's always reminding the Israelites of his faithfulness and love for them. Now, if you think about um, this topic of reminding, uh, training through reminding is a recurring theme throughout the scriptures. Okay? God always exhorts his people to what? Remember. Remember, right? That's a reminder, right? To remember. Um, why does God do that? 
Why does God do that? Why does God always have to remind people to remember, for them to remember? Uh, two things. Why does God have to remind? Two things. Uh, and these two things start with the letter F. First, God needs to remind because human beings are quick to forget. Why do you think you're being reminded? <laughs> because you always forget. Being reminded is something that we should be grateful for. God uses these opportunities to remind as building blocks to continuously reinforce and strengthen our faith. So when God reminds, he's not nagging you. The reason why he reminds is because we forget. Right? Now some of us are too stubborn to admit that we forgot. But we do. We always forget right that's why those new year's uh, resolutions they never stick three weeks into the year you forgot about the resolution i was gonna do this oh what? three years uh three weeks later what what was i supposed to do again oh yeah i wasn't supposed to eat rice or i wasn't supposed to do this i was you keep forgetting we keep forgetting so how does god rebuild how does god build up our faith through reminding. Uh, I'm going to quote from you. Uh, uh, I'm going to read from your quote from the book uh, Future Grace by John Piper, one of my favorite books. If you have the time, read it. Uh, the quote says this The infinite reservoir of future grace is flowing back through the present into the ever growing pool of past grace. Right, you get that? So there's future grace in front of us, it flows to, through our present, and it pools. In past grace, okay? The inexhaustible reservoir is invisible except through promises. Talking about future grace. But the ever-enlarging pool of past grace is what? It's visible. Where is it? In our memories. And God means for the certainty and beauty and depth to strengthen our faith in future grace. So future grace, or we can say available grace, is invisible. We all know, those of us who believe, that there is grace available in the next five minutes for those of you who need it, especially for those of you who are already starting to. May God's grace be <laughs> with you. Right? We, we need it. We need help all the time. We need help. That's what grace is for, right? Help in times of need, and we're always in need. Now, those of us who believe, there is this reservoir of future grace just waiting to come, right? We know it is available to us because we believe it, but we can't see it yet right? because it's in the future. only comes to view and become a reality in our lives at the exact time that we need it. So when we need grace, it's right there. Grace never comes too early, nor does it come too late. Grace is always on time. Now, every time future grace passes through you, okay, however uh, form that may take, however form that may take, every time future grace passes through you, it becomes a reality in our present, it is stored in a pool of past grace. 
This is where God's reminder is helpful for our faith. Being reminded of God's past grace is sometimes the only thing that we can hold on to in order to keep our hope alive. Right? There's nothing else. We can't see future. Yes, we have faith, but sometimes that faith is, you know, shaky, small. Some of us, it's like a dying candle. But you need to get that back up again. Look back. Look back at the past grace that God has faithfully given us throughout the years. Like, as a church, um, we always need people to serve in the church. We always need a new crop of elders. We need a new crop of deacons. We, we always need this. We, we need a new, uh, a second pastor, right? We need more money, <laughs> okay? Uh, I say that because business, business meeting is coming up. So when you hear the presentation, don't be like, oh, what are these people doing? Why are they? We need that. We need all of that stuff. Now, when you look at it, and especially during budget meeting, um, our budget, uh, what is it called? A deficit budget, right? Uh, our budget is in the deficit. So that means you're budgeting something, or you're budgeting more than what you received the, the year before, hoping that you will receive this much. That's a deficit budget. How much faith it takes to <laughs> have a deficit budget? A lot of faith. Because right? we need that. But we need to realize that um, are we able, are we going to be able to you know, reach our budget? Yes. How do you know? Well, look at 2022. Look at 2021. Look at 2020. Look at 1984. We were able to reach our budget then. What, what makes you say that we're not going to be able to reach it this year? Right? That's the power of looking to past grace. That you can do this, that you can budget for more because you know that God has a good track record. That's what, that's what the banks do, right? Whenever you apply for a loan, that's what they do. Show me your past T4s. Show me your income from the past year. Show me, right? Why do, why do they do that? To prove your trustworthiness, right? The problem with us is because we easily forget God has been trustworthy. Years. Count how many birthdays you've had. That's how God has been faithful to you. The fact that you're still breathing here right now. God has been faithful. So he reminds us, there's all the, I've done all these things for you. There should be no reason to doubt me now. Right? Being reminded of past grace does that for us. We can hold on to our hope because we saw or we've seen God work in the past. What else? Uh, being reminded of past grace also gives us the confidence to be bold in our approach to ministry. Right? So we can't sit here and be like, okay, our church is doing fine. Let's just stay status quo. Let's not look for improvements. Let's not try this. Let's not try that. That's too hard. Let's not do that. No. Uh, looking at past grace should enable us, should fuel our ministry goals. It should be higher. In fact, it should be so high that it seems impossible. 
right? Our ministry goals should be like that. Not just ministry goals, I would say your life goals, spiritual goals should be like that. It should be so high that it seems impossible. Why do we need to do that? So that when it does happen, you're like, no, that's, that can't be me. <laughs> can't be. It has to be the work of God. So looking at past grace fuels that kind of, I don't want to say arrogance, but that kind of confidence. Right? That we can do this. Because God is with us, right? Fuels that. So when we are reminded by God, don't, you know, don't take it as nagging, nagging, nagging. No, he's building up your faith so that you can accomplish even more. Amen? Amen. That's the first thing we learn from being reminded by God. God needs to remind because we are quick to forget. Second F that we can learn. Why does God remind? God needs to remind because human beings are full of pride. God needs to remind because human beings are full of pride. Now, this pride can manifest two ways into a person's life. First way, the pride is because of the forgetting. You think that you got where you are because of you. Right? That's the first sign that this manifests in a person's life. Second sign that manifests in a person's life is that you don't want to hear the reminders. I, I, I know. I, you know that word? I, people, I, I know people like that. Uh, you tell them something. They come, first of all, they come to you for help. Please help me with this. Please, uh, and then you thought, okay, do this. Oh, I know, I know, I know. If you knew, <laughs> why are you coming to me for help? Right? You, you already know. You just want to listen because you've heard it over and over again. The problem is you've heard it over and over again. You don't do it. That's why you keep coming back. Oh, help me again. And then you tell them what to do. I know, I know. <sighs> what do you do with those people? Full of pride. Right? Two, thing, two ways that pride comes is because of that. We forget. So we think we got here in the first place by our own strength and power. And second is because you just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear this anymore. Like if I start teaching gospel again, gospel again? I've heard this. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I've been hearing gospel for 20 years. Has it taken effect? No. Maybe you should keep hearing it. God's reminding us of his past goodness and grace is a double-edged sword. On one edge, it is a display of his power to meet all of our needs. On the other edge, it is a reminder that we are always in need. Think about that for a second. God gives you what you need because you need it. That takes the privilege out of everything, right? You're not just, you're not, you're, this attitude of, you know, I deserve all that. No, you don't. You need it. That's why God gave it to you. And you're always in need, so there's nowhere, there's no boast in that. There's no boasting in that, right? We need to realize that the reason that God's grace is made available to us in Christ to begin with is because of our need for it. So we can't sit here and think that we made it on our own, that we're self-made people. 
We need to be reminded of the fact that because we are in need, God, in his grace, through Christ, came to meet our needs. There's nothing that we have accomplished individually or as a church that we accomplished on our own. We are who we are today as individuals and as a church only because of the grace of God in Christ. That's it. Nothing else. In the context of our story, the reminder to bring the bones of Joseph with them as they leave or as they left Egypt is a pointer to the promise God made to them through Joseph before Joseph died, right? When Joseph was about to die, he said this, uh, Genesis 50, uh, verse 24. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you. And what? And bring you up out of this land to the land he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Verse 25, then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph said this, what, 400 years before the Exodus? Being reminded of this and being reminded of how God fulfilled that promise should not only strengthen the faith of the Israelites, but also humble them before God, their Savior. There's no way he could have gotten out. And God promised it, right? That's why my favorite pool player, billiards, is Ephraim favorite. He calls his shots before he, shoot, he shoots it. I'm going I'm to do this in five shots. Done. Calls his shots before he shoots, and he does it. God did the same thing. 400 years before, God said, I'll get you out of here. Remember to bring Joseph's bones out. It's a pointer back to that, right? Um, and God's reminding them to show them, you're not leaving because of you. You're leaving because First right? Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. Can you guys read that? See what Paul's doing there? Okay. See what Paul's doing those verses? Paul is cutting the root of pride from the hearts of those who are in Corinth. How does he do it? He reminds them. It is only because of God that you are in Christ. You get that? It is only because of the mercy of God that you find yourself in Christ. Paul is urging the saints in Corinth to consider Contemplate your calling. Contemplate your salvation. Think about it. Right? Think about it and ponder the calling that you have as believers in Christ. Now, what are they supposed to think about? How they were saved. Or how they were before they were saved. That's what they're supposed to think about. That's what Paul is telling them to think about. Think about how you were before you were saved. In other words, Paul is reminding them. You remember, many of you were fools. You remember, many of you were weak. 
You're not, you weren't born from noble birth. But because of God, because God chose you, because God redeemed you through Christ, you are saved. Therefore, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we can't have that holier-than-thou attitude. You can't. You were once a fool. I was once a fool. Not once. I'm still, I still am. Right? We were all that way. You should remember that. Don't look down on people who are not at the same level as you as far as, oh, I know my Bible. Oh, I memorize my, oh, I come to church every Sunday. Uh, meanwhile, you treat others like garbage. You don't have the faith to commit to ministry. But you know your scriptures. <laughs> Great. Go join Jeopardy. They might have a... a <laughs> I'll take Bible verses for 100, Alex. Or no, Alex is done. Uh, who is the host of Jeopardy now? I don't know anymore. Well, some people watch Jeopardy. <laughs> right? Knowledge of this is useless if you're not going to be able to apply it. If it doesn't take effect in your life, there's no point in knowing this. The devil knows more Bible than us. Right? But what's the difference? The devil hates God. Doesn't love God. He hates him. A lot of Christians are like that. They know, they know all the terminologies. They, they're fluent in Christianese. <laughs> Why you gotta look at me like that? <laughs> they're fluent in Christianese. They all they all know the Christian lingo. Oh, bless you. We'll pray for you. They all know that. I don't apply it. You say it. Those of us who worship, we all know the stages of worship, right? Right? Uh, the stages of the hands in worship. New Christians, they start off down here and sing with their heads bowed. The more mature, the higher the hands bowed. <laughs> so you see somebody raising their hands, oh, that person, mature. No, that's nothing to do with that. Can't boast. The only reason why we're able to worship to begin with is because of God. Remember the lessons in the, uh, the first part of chapter 13? What is the two pieces of bread that hold that sandwich together? God chose and God redeemed. Paul is saying the same thing. God chose you, God redeemed you. You were once fools, but, you know, now you're saved. That's because not, not because of you, right? He reminded them of who they were. Uh, and he reminded them how they got saved. Therefore, let no one boast. Or let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the reminder of Joseph's last words to the Israelites is doing the same thing. God, through Moses, is reminding the people of Israel, remember, God was the one who called this out. God was the one who promised to do this 400 years before he did it. Therefore, continue to trust him. Being reminded of is, is God's mercy and grace for us, we are quick to get rattled by our circumstances and forget the ever-growing pool of God's goodness. So God reminds. We get too overconfident and proud about our accomplishments, and we think we're doing okay, that we don't need reminding. So God reminds even more. 
So far, we've, we've seen how God trains his, the faith of the Israelites through rerouting and reminding. The last R, third R, is God's training the Israelites in his remaining with them. Exodus 13, 20 to 22. Can you guys read that? When I was younger, I've always relied on the presence of my parents to give me a, some kind of sense of peace when I was younger. Even when I moved out of the house, our first night, remember when we, when we moved out? My first night was I called my dad just to, you know, because it's been like that for 30-something years, right, or 20-something years. So I've always relied on that, presence of my parents to give me a sense of peace. When I was sick, I always ran to my mom. When I was scared, I ran to my dad. When I was scared of my dad, I ran to my mom. <laughs> because the mom, moms always, yeah, moms are like that, right? Uh, but moms don't uh, shield your children. We learned this in Proverbs. Let them be disciplined. But that's, that's, that's how kids are, right? Sick, mom, scared, dad. God, being the good father, He's doing the same thing, right? Uh, he, he's giving these, his, his children a sense of peace. How? By remaining with them. He's showing them. Not just remaining with them in spirit. He showed them. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, to remind them of, their const, of his constant presence. Now, all of the Israelites had to do was to follow where that presence of God led them. Fire go here, I go here. Cloud go here, I go here. That's how they know where they were going, that they were going the right way. Now, when you read that, you, sometimes you think, man, it must be nice to have that. Like nowadays, right, we don't have that. So you don't know, where is God leading me? I don't know. Should I go to church today? There's no cloud of fire. No, I'm not I'm staying in bed. You know, there's, no, <laughs> there's no pillar. I'm just going to stay in bed. It must be nice to have that, right? Just to look at the presence of God and just follow it. Easy. Right? Uh, there's one commentary that said this, sometimes we wish that God would give us the same kind of guidance today. If only a bright cloud would lead us directly to the school we should attend or to the job we should take or the person we should marry. Imagine that. You're looking for somebody to marry? No cloud, no fire? No, not you. <laughs> I want to see a pillar of cloud above your head. Then maybe you're a Proverbs 31 woman. Some women have a pillar of fire above their head. No, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to live in my, I don't want to live in the rooftop, right? <laughs> you don't want to live beside a nagging wife with a pillar of fire in her head. No, you don't want that. But that's, that's what it is, right? Sometimes we, we think about it that way. Man, how come? Why is God making life so hard for us? He's not giving us all these signs. Some of us become so superstitious. Right? Okay, maybe not, cloud, you know, maybe not pillar of cloud, maybe not pillar of fire. Uh, maybe a black cat. Or, 
you know, uh, you, 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 you buy lotto, you go like this, right? Oh, what's, oh where did I land? I'm going to use this number, the verse number, chapter number, page number. Some of us are like that. We look for all these kinds of signs to follow. But that's, that's not it. And when we look at the, the Israelites back then, yeah, it must be nice to have, uh, you know, something to follow like that. But you, they still don't know where they're going. They just have to keep following. So there's something better for us. And that commentary continues. It says this. Yet the truth is that God gives us all the guidance that we need in a much better form. Much better than a pillar of cloud and of fire? What form? Romans 12, 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What could be better than a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire? Paul says that the only thing better than following God is being able to discern God's will through a renewed mind. That's better. To discern God's will through a renewed mind. So instead of looking for signs, looking for wonders to help us know what God wants to do or wants us to do and where God wants us to go, being transformed through faith in Christ will enable us to know by the power of the Holy Spirit how to discern what God wants for us. And then from there, take the step of faith in obedience to God. Right? That's how that works. That's why it's better if the Israelites knew that where God, why God was leading them that way, where God was leading them, you think they'd still be, you know, grumbling in the middle of the desert? If they knew God's purpose and reasons, would they still be grumbling? Some of them probably, but if you think about it, maybe not, right? Because they already know what, what the purpose. But it, they, at that point, they were just following, okay, cloud went there, okay, let's go there. Fire went there. Okay, let's go there. So it's not really, I mean, in that sense, the, the lesson is that the presence of God is always with them. That's the gist of that. That's how you should interpret that. That's how you should read that. So in our case, no pillar of cloud, no pillar of fire. How does that work? Well, he gave us his spirit instead, right? So that we can discern his will and then take that step of faith in obedience, right? So that's what you do. When you make decisions, pray about it first. And pray seriously. Don't, don't pray for what you want. <laughs> pray for what he wants for you, right? Because the temptation there is, okay, so God will give me what I pray for. Okay, let me pray. Lord, please lead me to the right numbers to win the lottery. Lord, please. Show me, Lord, please give me this so that I can do that. No, no, no. Pray for what he wants for you and then take that step of faith in obedience. If there's no answer, take that step of faith anyway. Because there is no way that God's going to lead you to somewhere 
that will destroy your faith. No way. He's always out to strengthen, right? So sure, it may have been more convenient for the Israelites to be following a visual manifestation of God, but that does not give them insight into knowing God's purposes and will and the reasons why he's leading them to where they are at. Again, if you know the next part of the story, we will see just how much better we have it now. Right? God leads them to this place where it's near the sea. Again, beach. Right? So after coming from slavery, you see the beach and you'll be like, ah, perfect, yes. This is what it feels like to be free. While they were setting up their tents, they hear this rumbling. And they see the Egyptians from afar. What's the first thing that they said? Is there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us here to die? Right away, they forgot. <laughs> right away. But if they knew that God was, no, no, don't worry, I got you. I'll lead you, I'll part the waves and we'll lead you. You think they'll still grumble? Maybe. I would think not. We have it that way. We have it so that we have this enablement through the Holy Spirit to know what the will of God is. Sometimes we know it already. We just don't want to take that step of. Right? You know it. Sometimes you know it. You just don't want to take that step of faith. But that's the thing. That's, that's why it's better than just a pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. You know, the reason why. Like if you're a parent, you don't just tell your kids, go wash dishes without telling them the reason. If you spank your kid, you don't just spank them and not tell them the reason. How are they going to learn? Right? God is doing the same thing here with us. Uh, he shows them his presence, but in the new covenant, doesn't just show us, he gives it to us. He lives in those of us who believe, right? We have it much, much better. I hope that I have for us today is that we are comforted by that fact that our God is a God of mercy and grace and he will do everything to strengthen our faith in him, that his ways in training will always result in that, will always result in our faith growing. Is testing us. Um, sometimes it hurts. The tests hurts. But it doesn't break us. It's not meant to break you. It's meant to reinforce his goodness and grace towards us. I was talking to the uh, Sunday school er earlier about the um, earthquake in, in Turkey. How some people lost their whole families. I saw footage of people carrying uh, dead bodies like babies dead bodies of babies to the street because they didn't have a, a morgue. I'm thinking to myself, man, what if, you know, how, how would I deal with that? <laughs> how would you deal with that? Right? We're here. Now you know, everything's fine. Sun is out. Nice. They're there. They'll probably have a nice day too, but surrounded by death. How would we deal with that? How would we deal with... Um, our own situations when we're put in, in a situation where we have no control, like when you get sick, how would you deal with that? Would you be comforted? Would you still 
remember that, no, 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 God is with me always. Yeah, there's no pillar of fire, there's no pillar of cloud here, but, but his presence is always with me. Is that the first thing that comes to mind? Or are we like the Israelites? Why are you doing this to me? Why me? God trains us not to break us. He trains us to strengthen and grow our faith in him. He does not leave us with instructions and expects us to just obey. Right? He doesn't. He's, like, he's not like Ikea. Right? That's what Ikea does, right? The engineers who make the instructions for Ikea, they're just here, deal with it. And we're there like trying to, sometimes the, the pictures are wrong. <laughs> That's not who God is. God is like that Ikea engineer who comes with the furniture. So when you get the furniture, you get the engineer with it, and they'll help you build the furniture. That's God, right? Sometimes we just forget. Right? Who does that with Ikea furniture? Throws the instructions out, just looks at the picture. Okay, okay, this should go here, oh, picture, oh, okay. And then by the time when it's done, you're like, oh, I forgot, there's one screw left, and you're like, oh, no. You got to do everything. Because sometimes we're like that, right? Oh, I can do this, no problem. It looks like that, so ah, easy. Throw away the instructions. Sometimes we're like that with God. Why? Because we're easy to forget. But God in his grace, what? Reminds and remains. Doesn't leave us to our own abilities, to our own power. He's always there with us. Always guiding, always helping us. Our journey through sanctification and growth will sometimes be in the wilderness. Some of us are there right now. Where it feels like, man, what is God doing? But even then, we can have perfect peace. Because God's presence is inside each and every one who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's with you. Never leave you, nor forsake you. How good is that? The best. That's why it's called, it's called gospel. Amen? Next week, we're going to continue uh, with chapter 14. Please read ahead. And I hope to see you here again. Amen. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. Just.